You're listening to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast, recorded in Cisco, Texas. For more information, please visit hallelujah.org. We hope you enjoy this message. The title of my sermon today, Is There More? Is There More? Have we reached the pinnacle of our spirituality? Have you reached the pinnacle? Have you, have you obtained all you're going to obtain in this life? Does the Heavenly Father have more? Is there, is there a deeper closeness available to us? Is there more than just a strict adherence to a bunch of set laws and rules? Hopefully I can uh, cover those things today. This message is kind of like a mixed media art. You know what mixed media art is? It's not just like a painting on a canvas. It could be a painting on a canvas, but there could be some grass glued onto that, some fabric on there, some sticks. So it's mixed media. There's a lot of different... So I'm kind of going a couple different ways, and hopefully it brings it all together and makes absolute sense. John Bevere, I don't know if you've ever heard of him or not, but he's an author and an evangelist. He kind of explains it this way. It says, Many reach a comfort zone or a plateau where they begin to maintain rather than press in. This is pretty typical of a lot of aspects of our lives, whether it be a spiritual aspect or relationships with one another. They reach a comfort zone where they, where they uh, plateau or where they maintain rather than press in. And this is talking about the Heavenly Father. They set their personal standards by comparing themselves with others or what they feel is adequate. We do that all the time. I'm not as bad as that person over there. We compare ourselves against others, even in the assembly, against the world. We're not quite as bad as them. Instead of the Heavenly Father's Word many times. What He expects of us. It doesn't matter what everybody else expects of us. That's how we set our personal standards. By comparing ourselves with others. Or by what they feel is adequate. At this point. This is the critical point right here. They stop seeking Yahweh. For who He is. And begin to pursue the benefits of following Him. They stop seeking Him for who He is and begin to pursue the benefits of following Him. Is there benefits of following the Heavenly Father? Absolutely. There's absolutely benefits. They may seek to build their own status or positions, or they may wish to increase their comfort and popularity. Whatever the case is, this emphasis turns from Yahweh to self. Kind of reminds me of the church of Laodicea. You read, it says, They wasn't hot. They wasn't cold. They were lukewarm. And what did the Heavenly Father say He's going to do? He's going to spew them out of His mouth because they were just kind of mediocre. What's another example of maintaining? We'll mention the exercise. Sometimes we, we get to a point and uh, we, just, we just stop. You know, we said, This is my plateau. This is where I'm going to be. I'm just going to maintain right here. Or maybe it's a diet we're on. I'm just going to maintain this right here. And, and that's good in some instances maintaining. Or it's business. Say, wow, I went in business for myself and I'm working hard, but you know, I'm pretty comfortable right here. I can live and I don't have to, I don't have to work any harder to, to grow any bigger. I'm just going to maintain right here. I think sometimes we feel that we have reached our fullest spiritual capability. We think that the Heavenly Father doesn't have anything else for us. Just as far as I can go in this life. 
and that we've exhausted all of his resources. When it comes to us, I tell you that is not from the Heavenly Father. That is from the enemy. He, he wants to keep us lukewarm. He wants to keep us squashed down. <clears throat> I'm reminded in Job, in uh, Job 38, Yahweh tells Job, he says, have you entered the storehouses of snow? Have you entered, seen the storehouses of hail? You think about it, it's kind of weird. Like some big barns up there in the sky somewhere with, with snow and hail. And, there, and there's a, they got a point. There, there's a purpose for those things. It's, it's just amazing. Have you entered the storehouses of snow? We think, wow, it snowed last week. That's done for for this year. Heavenly Father can make snow in the summertime if he wanted to. He's got storehouses full of it. Lamentations. Three, it says, Yahweh's loving kindness is indeed, it never ceases. When you look up the word in the Hebrew, never, it means never. And it means never ceases. His compassions, they never fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Now you think of this. I, I get a mental picture in my head when I think about this scripture. I get a picture of a, a nice warm loaf of maybe muffins or banana nut bread served up fresh. Not yesterday's. Served up fresh every day. His compassions are fresh every day. Every morning they're brand new. Not yesterday's. But yet, but today's, they're brand new. His mercies are ne or never fail. Great is thy faithfulness. He is faithful. I'm reminded of the story of the loaves and the fishes. <clears throat> we think, how can, how can uh, uh, now remember, the topic is, does Yahweh have more? You know, you take five loaves and two fish. You got 5,000 people. Well, we all know that that does not compute. But, Somehow or another, Yahshua manages to feed all those people. That's a miracle. He has more. But that wasn't even enough. When they took up the scraps, there's 12 baskets. I mean, what was the pouring of all that? He has more. The Heavenly Father has more than we could even dream of. We can't even begin to scratch the surface of that concept. The story of Peter. You know, after the resurrection... Peter, he says, man, I'm going fishing. I know fishing. I'm a fisherman. This has been so confusing in the last few months. Yeshua, you know, he, he was crucified and he rose again. I'm going fishing. Because it's comfortable to me. This is where, I, this, is where I, this is my groove here. Okay, so he goes fishing. Of course they fish, they don't catch nothing. I must have been in that boat with him. Because I'm pretty good at not catching anything when I go fishing. Anyhow, they fish and they don't catch anything. Yahshua's on the bank. He sees them as they're coming in, fishing all night. He says, hey. And they don't really recognize him. He says, hey, cast on the other side of the boat. Well, that don't, I mean, that doesn't really make sense. But they do it anyhow. Of course, it was a great haul of fish, wasn't it? Was it really the place where they were fishing so much? Or is that Yeshua had more? He had more to show them. He had more to, show, to prove to them. And there again, it wasn't enough that they made a big haul of fish. They come to the bank where he's at, and there's fish and bread cooking. Where'd that come from? 
you know? So he has more. He has more for you, and he has more for me. And he displays this over and over and over again. Now, I am confident that there are people, and I've seen them, and I know you have too, who are very obedient in what they know. They're very studious. They're very knowledgeable. But they really don't have a, a connection with their maker. They haven't had a, what we call a spiritual breakthrough. Some people seem to be very passionate about following a prescription or a rigid structure or regulations, rules, much like the rulers of Yahshua's time wanted. They had a strict adherence to these rules and regulations. But the, the rulers in Yahshua's time, they didn't, have a, they didn't have a relationship, did they? They really didn't have a relationship with the Heavenly Father. Now, do not go off the rails here. Constant disobedience hinders a relationship. It will hinder a relationship. It can hinder a relationship with your own children, your own family. It's called rebellion. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say that we shouldn't be obedient. So just don't, don't misinterpret what I'm trying to say here. We should be obedient. But ultimately, we should have a relationship with the Heavenly Father, which is driving our obedience. <clears throat> so let's put it this way. You have a, a married couple. <clears throat> the husband, man, he goes out and he works hard every day. He brings home the, the check. He keeps that yard phew, immaculate. There's no leaky faucets. All the electrical outlets are working fine. Everything is great. He's a good father. Sounds pretty good, don't it? The mother, the wife, she's got that house looking good. You come in and there's always a, a hot meal. Smells good. It, it's, it's great. The, the laundry's kept up. She doesn't even nag because there's nothing to nag about. You know, it's really good. This is a good marriage, let me tell you. And that's it. Is that a good marriage? Yeah, it's just a good marriage. They're doing everything they should do. But there's something messy, missing. We can say that they're doing everything they should do, can't we? But you already know what's missing. There's more to this relationship. Now, all the things that they're doing can look like and can actually be an expression of love. All these things that they're doing can be an expression of love, but it is not love. It is not a relationship. It is not a soul tie. It is none of those things. But they're doing all the right things, aren't they? But they're not connected. The husband and wife are not connected. There's more. And I want to say there's more with our Heavenly Father as well. In Kings, we read about Elijah. Now, he did a bunch of mighty, mighty things for the Heavenly Father. Prophets of Baal, killed the prophets of Baal. And before he gets ready to leave this earth, he's going to be taken up. And I guess Elisha, I mean Elijah, no, Elisha, let's see here, let's get that right. Yeah, I guess Elisha knows that he's going to be leaving. So Elijah, you know, he kind of hooks up with Elijah and, and he's going along and, and Elijah says, I mean, Elijah says, stay here. I'm going to go to this other town. 
said, no, I'm not, I'm not going nowhere. I'm following you. I'm going where, you're, where you go. I'm going to follow you. So he gets to the next town. And Elijah says, you know, how many followers called me over here? I'm going over here. You just stay here. Elijah says, no, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to, I'm going to, wherever you're going, I'm going. He does this like three or four times. Elijah keeps following him. And he says something very perplexing, not really perplexing, but profound. Elijah is fixed to be taken up, and he asks Elisha, what shall I do for you before I am taken away? And Elisha replied, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Now Elisha had seen all the things, and he'd heard all the things that Elijah had done. And he's saying, let a double portion of your spirit. Now it wasn't Elisha's Elijah's spirit, it was the spirit of the Heavenly Father working in Elijah. That's the spirit that he was wanting more of, a double portion. Can you even stand a double portion? It's pretty amazing. But Elijah told him, he says, you've asked a hard thing. You've asked a hard thing. And there's multiple reasons why this is a hard thing. We'll get to here in a little bit. You can see, you see, to get into a deep relationship with our Heavenly Father or spouse or friend is not easy. It's going to take time. You're going to have to follow. It's not a hard thing. It's a hard thing. Now, I mentioned soul ties earlier, and I want to be sure that everybody understands what I'm talking about because there's varying ideas about soul ties. Some of you may never even heard that expression before. Now, those words are not really in the Bible, just like many other words are not, or phrases are not in the Bible, but they're alluded to, okay? In our, in our language, they're alluded to uh, with, with words that we use. <clears throat> but anyhow, uh, we read in 1 Samuel 18.1, it says, where the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as himself. They were friends, wasn't they? But they was more than friends, a deep connection. There was a deep relationship there. Now, it was a friendship, and it was a love for one another. It wasn't a perverted relationship, as some might lead you to think. It was a deep connection. It was a soul tie. In 1 Corinthians 6.16, it says, Don't you know that he who joins himself to a harlot is one flesh with her? But he who joins himself to Yahshua is one spirit with him. Now we all know that when two people come together, they don't morph into one, don't we? Except for their creation, their offspring, their children. We know they don't morph into one. But there's a deeper deeper connection made. There's a soul tie. There's a deeper connection made in an illicit relationship. Just like there is in in a sanctified relationship. There's a deeper connection made with the heart. That deeper connection is where the Heavenly Father wants to work in us. A deeper connection. And it's it's brought out in Scripture. And we just read, he who is joined to a harlot is one with her. But the deeper connection is brought out in Scripture in describing his people called the bride, which is you, me, 
people we know all over the world. His people called the bride and the marriage of the Lamb. There's that deeper connection. Do we have this deep connection? Are you experiencing that, that deep connection with our Heavenly Father? Is there more to, to this relationship than what we are experiencing? Or do we think, man, this is, this is as far as it's going to go? We, do, we read an interesting story. If you want to turn with me to Ezekiel, you can follow along. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. <clears throat> but Ezekiel 47, Yahweh brings Ezekiel to the temple. He says, Then he brought me to the back to the tent door of the house. And behold, water was flowing under the threshold of the house toward the east. For the house faced east. And the water was flowing down under, from under, from the right side of the house, and from the south of the altar. And he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around to the outer of the outer gate by way of the gate that faces east. And behold, water was trickling from the south side. The water is just trickling under this building, under this door, this temple. And when the man went out toward the east with the line in his hand, he measured a thousand cubits. And he led me through water, reaching the ankles. And again, he measured another thousand cubits. <clears throat> and he led me to water, reaching the knees. And again, he measured another thousand cubits. And he led me through water, reaching the loins. Verse 5, he says, And again, he measured a thousand cubits. And it was a river I could not ford, or the water had risen enough water to swim in, a river that could not be forded, a, water, a river that could not be crossed, with water to swim in. And he said it to me, Son of man, have you seen this? And he brought me back to the bank of the river. And that's kind of bizarre. How, what does this have to do with us? What does this have to do? You know, we start out with this water just trickling underneath the, the, the house, out of the, out of the door. Just, you know, just water. I hate when that happens in my house. When water's trickling, I don't like that. <laughs> it means there's trouble. But he takes him out a little bit further. There's water reaching the ankles. And a little bit further, and he keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper. You ever been in a, in a moving stream? Anybody been? Most everybody's been in a stream or a river. You know, you walk out there, and if it's ankle deep, it's good. You're good. You can walk all day as long as you don't step on a slippery rock. Get up to the knees, you can do it. No problem. Get up to your thighs. You can still walk most of the time. You start getting waist deep in a river, you lose control. The river's controlling you at that point. You, you don't have control. So how does this apply to us? We just read that when one joins himself to a harlot, he becomes one with her. Just like we join ourselves to the things of this world, we become one with the world its desires, its passions, its ambitions, one with the world we become. But reading further down in, in 1 Corinthians 6.19, it says, don't you know that you are the temple of Yahweh? Don't you know that you are the temple of Yahweh? Now just picture this. We're going to get to this. I don't want to jump ahead. I have a bad habit of doing that. 
But don't you know that you are the temple of Yahweh? One of the reasons that the people of faith don't go deeper is because we're still joined to the world. So many ways we're still joined to the world. And I think a lot of times we don't even realize it. We don't even know it because it's become our culture. It's so ingrained in us. We don't even realize it. You know, we can't have it both ways. Many have just got their toes in the water. It's as far as they've gone. Some people have gone out a little deeper, little, little deeper to their anchors, ankles. Man, I can't even talk. Some have moved into deeper waters, but very few, I think, make it out to the deepest water. Our, our concept of deep water is, is intelligence a lot of times. Our, our, that's how we think in, in the West. That's, that's the deeper water, is how intelligent are we? And those who do make it out to that deep water, this is the... This is the bizarre part. They're kind of considered odd, aren't they? You mean you don't want to watch a cowboy game? You don't want to go fishing? I mean, they're just kind of considered odd. I've met some people, even by people of faith. We look at them and say, wow, they're, they're, really, they're really deep. They really are deep a lot of times. They are literally deep. Look at the lives of the prophets. Elisha had asked the hard thing, hadn't he? Why? Because many, of the, many times, much of the time, and we, read it, we can read through it uh, you know, on, in the scriptures, where, where the, the prophets, they, they brought bad news. They suffered. Even Apostle Paul said, man, I suffered shipwreck. I've been beaten, been stoned, I've been all this stuff. Yeah, you ask a hard thing. When you want a double portion, you're asking a hard thing. Because even the people who you are supposed to be ministering to reject you. They don't, they don't reconnect with fleshly people of the, and worldly people. So we, if, if we're the temple, aren't we? Are we influencing others around us? We can't accomplish this by just having our feet wet. If we're the temple, we're going to have to get into deeper water. This, we're going to have to get in water people can swim in. People see through, they see through this, but they're very knowledgeable. They're very, they, they are very studious. But, and there's really nothing there. It don't seem like there's really much there. They see through that. Now, if we're the temple, if you follow me here in John 7, it says, Yahshua said, if there's any man who is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being, shall flow rivers of living water. From his innermost being, rivers, deep rivers, everywhere the river runs, there's life, isn't there? There's not stagnation where the river's running. There's life where the river's running. The people you come in contact with, do they see life in you? Do they see life in me? Do they see stagnation? Are they... Are they glad to be around us? Because we, oh, we, are, we bring the life, the life of the Heavenly Father is in us. I'm confident that Yeshua has much more than what we are experiencing, much more than what I'm experiencing. In our, in our lives, sometimes they do. They go up, we reach a, a pinnacle, and then we go down. That's life in general. Not just spiritual. I mean, it could be financial. It could be your emotions. It could be lots of different things. 
That's life in general. Many times we are content just to eat the crumbs from the master's table, aren't we? We, we sit at the master's table or, and we're just content to eat the crumbs from the table. Not realizing that there's a table spread with more food than we can possibly indulge in. That is a table he has spread for us, for you and me, to go deeper, to, go, to, go, to, to become richer in him. How can we influence others with the good news of the gospel if they just see superficial, shallow relationships with the life giver, the one we're proclaiming? People can't tell if we have a deep relationship, if it's just a name only. You know, Peter, after Yahshua had ascended, he would <laughs> just, you know, people are always still asking for healing. And he would he would walk by and his shadow would be cast on someone who was sick and they would be healed. It's like, that is incredible. That is absolutely incredible that that would happen. Because he, had, he didn't do it. I mean, that didn't happen just because he was just a mediocre follower of Yahshua. What did it? No, he had a commitment. He had a relationship. So how do we do this? James 4.8, it says, draw near to Yahweh, and he will draw near to you. We must quieten our hearts. Purposely set aside time to pray and to meditate on him. Give him quality time, just like you would, just like you would a spouse or your children or a friend. Give him quality time. It seems like many times we give the Heavenly Father what's left. We come in and we're exhausted or we're preoccupied with so many things. And this is the time I'm going to set aside for you, Heavenly Father. This is what you're going to get. Instead of setting him first, we set him last. Here's the scraps of my time. Here's the scraps of my energy. You're never going to go deeper doing that. You don't even have to read the Bible. Do I, do I think you should read the Bible? Absolutely. But I'm, I'm always... Impressed with Abraham. You know, he didn't have a Bible. Noah didn't have a Bible. Enoch, Abel, Joseph, they, they made it. They had a connection with the Heavenly Father. They had a genuine connection with the Heavenly Father. They didn't have a Bible. I mean, we have so many helps, resources. It is unreal. Just blow the dust off of them. There you go. You know? But I'm not saying you shouldn't read and study at all, but quieten your heart. Give the Heavenly Father the best of your time. You know, when they offered sacrifices back in the day of old, they didn't just get the, man, this one here's kind of mangy. We'll take this one because it ain't going to bring much at the market, is it? No, they gave the best, the very best they gave. But we don't do that with our time, do we? For you and me, it may be different. I'm a morning person, so my time is in the morning. I don't like to be disturbed, interrupted. I have, I have my things that I do. I'm a morning person. For some people, they're, they're evening people. That's not for me. I've exhausted all my resources by then. And so, but, but to each one is different. But give the Heavenly Father quality time. That is so important. Get to know your Maker your Redeemer, and your Savior. 
Get to know him as a close friend. Do you know your Savior as a close friend? Who was it of? They said that he was a friend of Yahweh. Was it Abraham? They said he was a friend. Get to know him as a friend, not an abstract being that cannot relate to us. He wants to relate to us in a personal level. Pray and ask Yahshua to give you that life-giving water, just like the woman at the well that springs up to eternal life. I want that life-giving water. Be completely honest before the Heavenly Father. Just like David in Psalm 139, he says, Search me and know me. Try my heart and know my anxious thoughts. You know, John, John uh, the Apostle, he had a close relationship with the Heavenly Father, with Yahshua. And I find it interesting that there at the Last Supper, or before Yahshua was crucified, you find John, he's leaning back on Yahshua's chest. Isn't that a weird picture? In our time, that's kind, of a, that's kind of bizarre. But in their time, it really wasn't so bizarre. But John felt pretty comfortable, didn't he? He was confident. He was, he was comfortable with that. There was a closeness there. There was a relationship there, a genuine closeness. There was more. There was more than he had experienced before. Psalms 139, it says, again, David says, you are intimately acquainted with all of my ways. Intimately acquainted. That's pretty, that's pretty close, isn't it? That's not just a surface relationship. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. I'll do this. Don't, don't do this. Okay, yeah. It's not that. It's an intimate relationship. In verse 17 and 18, it says, How precious also are thy thoughts to me, O L. Now David, he didn't have a Bible either. More than likely. He says, How precious are thy thoughts to me, O L. How vast is the sum of them. It's like David's reading the Heavenly Father's mind. How vast is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. If you could count, if David said, if I could count all your thoughts, they would outnumber the sand. Now, do all these words outnumber the sand? Absolutely not. David had tapped into a closeness with the Heavenly Father. You know, all those times he was out there watching those sheep, he had plenty of time to think, plenty of time to meditate. He wasn't always fighting bears and lions. He had plenty of time. Oh, how precious. If I could count them, they would outnumber the sand. Who knows how many things that David had been revealed to David that he didn't write down? Who knows? There's more. In other words, there's more. If they would outnumber the sand. You know, the Psalms, we, 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 we all love them. You get a, I used to get, I don't know if they do this anymore, probably not. At school, I remember getting a, it was a little bitty New Testament, and it had Psalms and Proverbs in it also. Probably don't do that anymore. I don't know. But if we get a new city, uh, not, not city council, but somebody else on the school board, that might change. <laughs> Anyhow, but, but why do they put the Psalms and the Proverbs in that New Testament? Because we like to read that stuff, don't we? It, it's appealing. We see that closeness and, and we see the, 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 the connection there. David had truly found the more in his walk. You know, it says, 
We talked about this in the end times a little bit earlier today. In the end times, there'll be a great falling away. And I, I'm telling you, from what I'm seeing, it looks like in the end times. And what's weird about that statement is that every generation says the very same thing. Been doing it for years. We're in the end times. 200 years ago is what they were saying. But I'm going to say it again. Could be the end times for me today. You know, my heart could stop working. Could be a thousand things go on. So the end time could be for any of us anytime. You're not going to make this. You're not going to avoid this great falling away if you don't have the connection and intimate relationship. You can know this, this Bible back and forth. You can know every law, every, everything, how the tabernacle worked. You can know all of that. And if you don't have the relationship with the Heavenly Father, you're going to fall short. Because you're not going to have the courage. You're not going to have the strength to stand when we have to stand. Pray with me, if you will. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this Sabbath. We thank you for each and every one who's here. Father, I pray that you would put it into our hearts and our minds to grow deeper with you, to have a deeper and an intimate relationship. Oh, Father, that your, your, your Holy Spirit would flow through us, would cleanse us, and it would just wash those around us, Father that we are making an impression on the world, not with our intellect so much, but how, what they see in us, that they see a commitment in following you and serving you. And they see the bond, they see the love that we have for our Heavenly Father. Father, just speak to our hearts, Father. Just move into this place, move into their hearts. And press upon us, Father, to, to spend time in prayer and seeking you and to quieten our hearts, to turn the music down to quieten our minds, to meditate, to focus upon you. You speak to us, Father. Just have your hand upon us. Draw us close. It's like John leaning upon the breast of Yeshua. Draw us close to you, Father. Yeshua's name we pray. Hallelujah.